rock and roll. The Texans go in front. They put on the helmet and pads. What's up, man? This is your teammate, number 57, Brennan Scarlett. And make the big plays. Down to the 10-yard line. What a play. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. I put a ton of pressure on myself. I want to be able to go out there and make the plays. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. They want to listen to, you know, the slow songs, the R&B. And I'm like, you know, we got to go play football. Welcome to the Texans Players Show with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that helps you get to know your Houston Texans players a whole lot better. The Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer with you, joined by Drew Doherty and D.P. Sidhu. And joining us tonight, I'm really looking forward to this. Because we have a new player, relatively, relatively. I'm going to say new. Farrow Brown, tight end, who caught 100% of the touchdowns on Sunday. <laughs> and that was very cool. And uh, just to see him get into the end zone against his former employer. Farrow, how's it going? Great to have you with us. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, being a part of the Texans, even though it's not a season we wanted to have. But uh, I think the weather does it for me. I think God's seen that Cleveland weather. I can change it <laughs> quick on Sundays. So that was my life the past two years. So it's just good to be in some sunshine. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, it's uh, November. We got a lot of sun, and uh, you can get, get outside. I think we heard your son for just a few moments, by the way, um, previously, which is fine because this is COVID, and we're all at home pretty much, and broadcasting, you hear kids and you hear dogs and everything, so no problem there, Farrow. Uh, but what was the adjustment like when, when you found out you were coming here and you got here? And I know it's a little bit different than a normal transition uh, from NFL team to NFL team because you have – the COVID situation as well. What was that like ramping up and becoming part of the Texans? Uh, well, when I first got here, you know, usually you get on the plane, you come, you work out, and uh, that's that. But, like, I had to sit in a hotel for, like, four days. You know, you trying, you can't really go anywhere, and it's like, you know you got to work out, and there's nowhere to go actually work out at. So it's like you in the room trying to get ready, make sure you lose and stuff. So that was a whole process in itself. But, I mean, the transition is always different. I luckily had two uncles uh, that's actually from here. They've been ticket holders since 2000, since this Texas started. So uh, I've been here before. So uh, I'm familiar with the city. So it's kind of like a, a home away from home. Arrow, it's been a tough season on the whole for the team, two and seven. Really not too many bright spots, but you are one of them. You're one of the bright spots. We didn't know – much about you in August because you weren't with us and you come in and you you really have produced you had the touchdown on Sunday you had that big reception right before the long touchdown a few weeks back I mean you've you've come in and produced what's it been like for you getting a chance and making the most of this opportunity uh it's just been a blessing just to get the the opportunity you know I've been preparing and kind of doing stuff and just grinding since I've been in the league I've had a I haven't had a, the same coach consecutive years since I've been in. So it's just been change, prove yourself, change, prove yourself, change, prove yourself. And it's like you just trying to prove yourself to somebody that sticks around and then you stay. You know what I mean? So that's what the league is all about is just opportunity. And when it comes, you have to you have to produce. Like that's just what it's about. And it's kind of been like you said, like you guys don't know me. You, you guys don't know me and neither did the coaches. So when I first came in, I got the opportunity to show that I can block. And 
my role started increasing there. And then I got the opportunity to show that I can catch the ball. So it's like I'm just proving myself day in and day out. And I think that's what the league is about, honestly. Well, Mark joked you caught 100% of the touchdowns last weekend. I know it didn't end up in a win, but that had to be extra sweet for you, your former employer, and that's where you grew up. What was it like when you caught the touchdown? What was it like, the whole experience, playing back there? Uh, the experience was great just to play back there. That's always a, a good state to play in. A lot of guys was talking about how it was loud and it wasn't even filled up. It's always good playing one of those environments and in front of my friends and family was awesome. Uh, the touchdown made it even better. It was kind of like slow motion. Like I, when I got, when I caught it, I was like, I thought like I might have got hit like before the end zone. So when I caught it, I was like, am I in the end zone? So it took me like a second when I was like jumping up to make sure like, hey, it ain't no penalties. This is a this is an NFL touchdown. So uh, it was just awesome to be able to to uh, score back home in the first one. Uh, I was joking with uh, Travis Kelsey and telling him, you know, we, we couldn't have planned that one any better because uh, we're both from Cleveland. So he's a good friend of mine. And just seeing all the uh, and just seeing all the love, you know, just even like the Browns players, like they kind of know my story and what I've been through. Like I scored, <laughs> and the DBs are like, "Hey, congrats!" Like on the field, you know what I mean? So wow, just being there and them, you know, seeing all the stuff that I went through and just seeing that journey and being able to have that the love uh, from them as well as it was just it was just a great it was just a great uh, it was just a great feeling, honestly. Even though we lost. You never lose, you just learn. So I don't really look at things in a losing fashion. I know we're going to get into your journey in a little bit. You and I have talked about it a little bit at length. But I want to know about that rain delay because never in the history of the Texans has a game ever been delayed by 30 minutes. I don't know if that's something you've experienced before, but what was going on with the players? I heard they were pretty excited when that hail and the rain was coming down. As crazy as it was, what was going through your mind when, when that weather just opened up right before kickoff? Uh, it didn't shock me. Cleveland is just always something. I mean, it just happened like literally like pregame. You had people like, okay, like even like people on the staff, they came out and they rang it. It's like, oh, it's nice out. You know, it's 50 degrees. We can take off a couple layers, take off the raincoat, you know. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day because all week we was thinking it was going to be just a horrible day. And then literally like the national anthem came on. And then out of nowhere, it just started just coming. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew we was, I knew it was gonna be the late because like the hell, it felt like you was getting shot with an airsoft BB gun, <laughs> like forty miles an hour. And I'm like standing next to Tunsil's. I'm like going down by the line and trying to block myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, it like it wasn't even that it was cold. I'm like, bro, I feel like I'm getting shot with an airsoft BB gun. It hurts. Hail hurts. <laughs> Have you ever been in a rain delay or any weather delay game ever in your career before Sunday? Uh, yeah, I've been in a couple. We had a big monsoon in Oregon when we played Kyle. So that one got delayed. Mm. But, uh, it ended up being, once the hail passed through, it, 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 was, it was nice other than just the wind. All right, so I want to get into this a little bit. You did grow up in the Cleveland area. So does that mean you're rooted for all the Cleveland teams growing up or – were you rooting for any out-of-town teams? Uh, I rooted for – I like Jerome Bettis when I was younger, so I like the Pittsburgh. Ooh. Story probably about, uh, I'll always like – I always was a big LeBron fan, so when he was – so that made me like the Cavaliers, uh, the Indians. 
I kind of watch them, but I don't really got a favorite team in baseball. And then that's about it. All right, so when LeBron I went. Normal, I was the normal Cleveland native. Like, I was committed to Michigan, so everybody back home was like, yeah. you know, I was from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> when LeBron went to Miami, what was your reaction? I was happy for him, man. I uh, <clears throat> actually grew up playing on LeBron's AAU team, which he sponsored, like, everything. Like, we didn't have to pay for flights, hotels, travel, nothing. And, like, that experience, like, that AAU experience, like, I would have never, like, I have the same friends that still never been on the airplane to this day. Like, I would have never got that experience and that exposure if it wasn't for his giving back, you know. Uh, you see a lot of NBA guys, you know, they sponsor AAU teams, but I don't think none of them sponsor them like how LeBron did. Like, we didn't have to pay nothing. We just had to show up to practice. You know, and uh, so I never had no hard feeling because he gave me experiences as a kid that I wouldn't have been able to have. You know, so always I'm always a big Brown guy. So let me get this straight. Farrell Brown with us, by the way. So you played on LeBron's AAU team. Did you ever have a chance to meet him through that? Or he probably sponsors some others as well and, and does a good job of it. Yeah, we was his uh, first team, uh, King James Shoe and Stars, which was Rams by his uh, – which was ran by his high school coach, but he had like a couple others, but he came to a couple open gyms and stuff and ran with his, uh, like his NVs, but I was young. Like, I was in middle school, high school. You probably don't remember. I mean, probably remember being there and like, I'm still cool with like some of his nephews and uh, aunts and stuff that's around the program in uh, Akron. So, uh, yeah. That must have been a that, anybody on that AAU team, wind up taking it to the next level and uh, playing in the NBA? Well, I guess you had to go a few levels before that, but anybody we've, mm. we've known of or heard? Uh, who was the big, biggest time? Jakar Sampson, he plays. He's kind of been on and off in the, uh, in the NBA. A lot of guys went to college, but not a lot of them cracked the uh, – yeah, not a lot of them went to the, went to the NBA on that team. Well, so you played what, power forward, center – Point guard? No, I'm just kidding about point guard. <laughs> Although, correct me if I'm wrong, Farrell. What did you play on that team? What position? Uh, I played the three, small forward. Mm-hmm. If I was playing point guard, I, we wouldn't even be on this car right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is what is the level of your love for basketball? Did you have to make a decision at some point in high school? All right, I'm going to be a football player in college. Was there any thought or any any offers really? Any any entertaining of the thought of playing college basketball? Uh, it was. I had. I, I could have went like mid major uh, in basketball, and and actually, like my junior year, a coach, which was his son, had played football with me. He just came up to me like, basically, was like, you know, if you play football, you can go to the league. He was like, you average in basketball. Like, he was like six seven is average in basketball. He was like six seven in football. You stand out. You don't go to the league just on your. Size basically, he was like, You need to come out and play football. And I was just like, All right. So then he started taking me on recruiting trips. My first recruiting trip, I got an offer and I didn't even play. <laughs> oh, where was this? It was at Syracuse. They offered me, you know, who offered me actually? Uh, Tyrone Wheatley, yeah, oh, the yeah. old Michigan running back, sure, yeah, Michigan running back. So, uh, I got offered there, and they like, Kind of keep it in the wraps, and then. Once I started, I, I was playing defensive end. I kind of started killing it. 
that defensive end, and the rest was history. So how did you end up picking Oregon from Cleveland? <laughs> and we're not uh, done with your Cleveland Oregon? stories. We're not done with your Cleveland stories after you answered. No, we're not. But I mean, I've got a few more. How did you How did you decide to go to go so west? Chick Kelly flew into Cleveland, man, and you know, once I was out there in Oregon, you just can't deny the place. I mean, it's just beautiful. And uh, I ended up, I was committed to Michigan, so I was like just chilling at a gas station one night, and somebody pulled up like, "Bro, you got the Oregon offer?" I was like, "Yeah, I got the Oregon offer." Like, I had like forty offers at this point. And he was like, Oregon, dope, all the Nike stuff, but they get free Nike stuff. I'm like, for real? I don't even know where Oregon at. Like, <laughs> and then he was like, bro, it's out there on the West Coast telling me, he's like, bro, you got to go out there. So I, like, called the coach that night, told him I wanted to come on a visit type stuff. And then I went out there, and it was just, it was nice. Definitely um, want to hear more about Oregon. But first, we got to go back to senior year of high school. Then let's go after the prom. Uh, who wound up bringing you some yellow foams, Penny Hardaway shoes? What's that all about after your prom? Oh, uh, that's like my big cousin, uh, Cecil Shorts. He actually played yeah. for – he brought, he brought a lot of stuff that night. <laughs> he, made, <laughs> he made that night beautiful, man. He, uh, yeah, he, uh, he came and – we kind of grew up playing like his father coached my coached me in high school, coached uh, AJ, all his little brothers. He coached us in high school and he coached us growing up in mini league. So we, me and Cecil played for the same mini league uh, little league team, and then his dad coached him at his high school at Collinwood. Then he came to my high school once. I was there, and all the Cecil little brothers went to high school with me as well. So yeah, uh, Cecil. Cesar came through with the yellow phone. Pop. How do you know that? You guys are- he's, he's buddies with us. He, he's come on this show before. and he, We're good friends with him, and he's a huge fan of yours. So yeah. you know, I did a little recon. I did a little intel. Hey, what should we ask Pharaoh about? <laughs> he said specifically, ask about the yellow foams, Penny Hardaway shoes after prom. And he said there'd be a good story, and he was, he was right. That's a cool connection you guys had. Yeah. Them shoes, nobody had those. Uh, and college, so it's like, bro, how you got those? And then I had to like this massive hotel party, and, uh, <laughs> and I wore them there. And people was like, "Dang, bro, like, how you get those and stuff?" And I'm just like, you know, I was stunned. I, I was stunned. I was like, eighteen. You, know, so. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, that you didn't give out who who you got. And to- it, no, and it was Oregon, and it was the Oregon color, so it was just like. It was just, it was just oh, mm. yeah. I don't know what Mark or DP did for their senior prom and their after party, but I'm going to guess you win out of the four of us on this call, Pharaoh, for the coolest <laughs> uh, and most fun <laughs> extravagant after Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Pharaoh Brown joining us. All right, so at Oregon, the thing that strikes me, besides them being excellent for so many years, is the different uniforms. You mentioned Nike gear and everything, obviously the home of Nike, but it seems like every week it's something else. It's some different look, different uniform. What's it like to be a player with that kind of, that kind of selection, if you will? And it must have pumped you guys up to see all the different combinations they had. Yeah, it was just awesome, too, because once I started playing and got good, it, at, we actually was able to sit down with all the Nike people and design them. So, like, every so year. So, I, 
every so I think it's like every three they get whole new jerseys, but they come and sit down with the player, show them through design, take your feedback, and then you actually see some of the stuff being on that committee. You see some of that stuff in the jerseys, like they really be listening and like doing some of the stuff that we pick. So that was pretty cool. Uh, our selection wasn't as much like. So basically, it's crazy. So every year, you couldn't wear the stuff from last year. So if you had, like, workout hoodies and shirts from the previous year, you couldn't wear that no more the next year. It had to be the newest Nike stuff. So, like, every year I'll be sending boxes of stuff back because it was like, oh, yeah, that's the last year's shirt. You can't wear that. You got to be in, like, the, the newest of the newest because we was the premier school. You couldn't wear, like, the old Nikes. So. Wow. You just got new stuff every every year. So it was just – I sent so much stuff back. I don't know where it's. I feel like boxing was just coming back home and people was digging out amongst my family. And I don't even know. <laughs> Your mom's having garage sales with like triple XL practice yeah. shirts and shorts. What sort of feedback do players give? That That's really intriguing because I always find I love their, their uniforms. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that the players were so involved in that process. But were you guys giving feedback mostly on colors or, or numbers mean, or fit? Uh, what was it? I want like I think that one of the players I think picked the wings and stuff, and then you got actually you got some players that's there now that's work on uniforms that because they feedback was so good in college now they on the job. That's their and, job. No, nah, that's their job. They got a job with Nike doing the same thing. But like my one guy, I was wearing a Nike hoodie the other day, and he was like, he commented, did me like, yeah, kudos to me, like. The, the Nike design hoodie that he that I was wearing, he did it. Mm. And they're like wow. they're a lot of guys actually get opportunities after college by doing that, you know. So like I think that the wings came from a player, and I want to say that the uh, the old duck, I mean the old uh, what was that? The uh, like the little polka dot thingies mm-hmm. that came from like player feedback, and then like we like the chrome helmets was players yeah. that the Rose Bowl. So a lot of stuff comes from the players. It's, it's quite it's quite unique opportunity. Uh, so many questions to ask you. I don't even know where to start here. All right, so you're out of Oregon, but you don't get drafted. You do well, you don't get drafted. What's it like being an undrafted guy? Because I know that you guys are undrafted who hang around in this league for a while. Uh, you have this appreciation for everything, and there's just sort of – I don't want to put a chip on your shoulder, but there's this sense of every year I'm going to go out there and do my best, prove it every year, every game. What is it like for you being undrafted and how does that still affect you? Uh, I mean, it still affects me really (laughs) all the time, even though it shouldn't. But when you undrafted, you don't get quite as many opportunities as people. Your leash is way lower than a lot of other people's. Uh, is, Is it fair? I'm not here to say what's fair in life, but it's the game and you got to play it. You know, if I go out there and make two mental mistakes and the first round guy go out there and make five, I may be cut the next day. He, mm-hmm. he still be playing next week. So uh, you kind of get that kind of stuff different. And even just, you know, contracts and negotiation and stuff, you know, it, it, it's never in favor of undrafted guy comes and he doesn't have any leverage. That's just plain and simple. Uh, even when he's done, like, you still get guys that get you like, oh, you know, he was drafted first round, so he must have some talent. We should bring him in and give him another shot. 
I mean, I think that's just the politics of the game. You just got to learn them and play them. Like, a lot of guys, like, you know, I'm a real social guy. I talk to a lot of guys in different locker rooms, and they'd be like, guys would be like, on a first-round draft pick, talking about the team, F them over, and, you know, doing them wrong. I'm like, bro, you was right the first round, bro. They ain't doing you wrong, bro. You just <laughs> you just ain't doing what you got to do. Like, so I think that's one of the biggest things, and guys got to understand. You see some guys that get undrafted, and they come in and try to do what the first-round guy's doing, and it's like, no, nah, bro, you can't do that. He, he went first round. He gonna be here. You you do the same thing he do. You gonna be cut. So, I think a lot of guys. Uh, that's like one of the biggest things, and I try to explain that to like all the rookies and all the young guys that come in. And it's like you know, you gotta grind and get and go out there and prove it every day. Uh, and that's just what I've been. That's just been my journey through the NFL. With the Raiders, so you signed with them, ended up on the practice squad, and you were on there for a lot of weeks before being promoted to the active roster. And I know Mm -hmm. the practice squad now is different during COVID with 16 players, and it's a little bit different, and you can activate a guy right away. But then 2017, you're with the Raiders. What is that like, being a practice squad player and waiting for your shot? How can you prove it on the field when you're doing a lot of scout team and stuff like that? How can you prove yeah. that you're worthy of this? Well, my practice squad is pretty the first year. I was behind two, Jared Cook and Lee Smith. They was both already nine years in the league. So uh, they really taught me how to be a pro, how to recover my body. They kind of taught me a lot of stuff. Uh Jared's a big receiver tight end. Lee Smith was a big blocking tight end. So I had the best of both worlds to learn. And I picked both of their grades. And, uh, but it was rough being in Oakland, California, man. The rent was outrageous. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember the day we all got there. <laughs> so all the guys got these signing bonuses. So they like, yeah, I signed for 10K. I signed for 20. So people, whatever they signing bonuses, Man, them sign bonus came back, and them tax hit them so hard. We had dudes taking their check back up there like, bro, this ain't $10,000, bro. This a mistake on my And check. we all in the locker room like, this is a, this is a mistake. This is not right. <laughs> and then you trying to find rent places and, like, the, the best deal, like, the best deal in all of Oakland was getting a two-bedroom apartment for 5K. It wasn't even 2,000 square feet. And basically getting a roommate and splitting 25-25. That's what all the practice squad people did. So I was like, man, forget that. I ain't paying 25. Mind you, I'm just coming from Oregon. Rent was 700. So 25K, that's a stretch. Yep. So my uh, college roommate, Eric Armstead, got drafted by the Niners. So I, so I just stayed with him for free down in San Jose. So I was commuting like an hour to work oh, every day. Oh, wow. <laughs> and what it was, was traffic like? Oh, man, traffic was brutal. I had it down to the T. I'm talking about if I left at 5.32, if I was supposed to leave at 5.32 and left at 5.36, I could be in traffic for three hours. So y'all had to hit it right on the needle. Like, <laughs> wow. It's crazy. Like, two minutes can turn into three hours in the bay. So, like, if I got if I got out late and didn't hit it on time, I'd just get a room at the hotel for, like, 90 bucks. <laughs> but people oh, be yeah. like, bro, you drive an hour every day? I'm like, bro. I'd be in the car driving that hour, like, well, I'm saving thirty thousand. So, hey. <laughs> you're <laughs> laughing on that one hour long drive to work every single day, with extra money in your pocket. So, was if he was in San Jose, was that not a bad commute for him to what Santa Clara? Is that where? Not bad. 
Yeah, that's not bad. That's like a little bit closer. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's amazing that practice. You never think about that rookies and practice squad guys, like how much of an investment they have to put in living in these expensive cities. And they don't even know if they're going to be there long term. So you don't want to sign a lease. You don't want to invest too heavily. And then you got to make your money last a long time. It's, It's brutal. It is brutal. All right, Farrell Brown's going to stay with us. We've got some questions that are semi-unrelated to football, but we've got more of them for Farrell Brown, Texans tight end, here on the Texans Players Show. Keep it here for more of the Texans Players Show, right here on Texans Radio. At Amogee Bank, it's all about relationships. And in talking with our customers, we found a consistent theme. Having a banking professional speak to me on a personal level has meant a lot. Amogee Bank made it happen for us. They make you feel important. You don't get that everywhere. Thank you to Amogee Bank from all of us and all of our families. From our fans to yours. Here's to more family, business, and banking. Amogee Bank, Science Bank Corporation, NA, member FDIC, official business bank of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans scratch ticket from the Texas Lottery is your ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000. And it's your opportunity to enter promotional drawings for a chance to win an away game trip on a private plane, VIP season tickets, luxury suite tickets to a home game, and more. So get your Houston Texans scratch ticket today. Houston NFL Holdings LP, all rights reserved. For detailed game odds and information, visit TXLottery.org or call 800-375-6886. Must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. Play responsibly. Drawing. Play responsibly. Drawing. Play responsibly. Drawing. Play. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and health care, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. It's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, DP Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Farrow Brown, Texans tight end, is our guest. And let's get to some other questions. Okay, I know this would come up if we were doing the show in Farrow, usually in a non-COVID world. We're doing the show in a restaurant. we got fans. You'd be signing autographs, taking pictures, all of that stuff. And somebody would ask you, is there a story behind the name Farrow? Farrow is such a cool name. I could have been a star with a name like Farrow. What is the story behind the name? Uh, my mom had found it. I think she was watching some movie. And uh, she had it and didn't really tell nobody. And I don't know how she, I don't really know how, what movie it was. I only think she remembered, but I think she heard it was like, she's never like heard nobody name the KFL or it was just a unique name. And she didn't tell nobody cause she didn't really want people feedback. And uh, she just, <laughs> when she had me, it was just like different in all her experience. And uh, she actually thought about, she actually thought about not having me. But my grandmother was like, this is going to be my boy. You have to go through with it because I had a sister. So she's like, you got to go through with it and have it. This is about to be my boy. I end up being a boy. They end up naming me Pharaoh. And the rest was history. It's and you've got, you've got all of your siblings. I'm oh, sorry, Drew. I was oh, saying, all, of your, all of your siblings also have like a similar themed name too, right? Yeah, they are like you, uh, unique like royal names like Prince Michael uh, Benjamin, mm, Lucas, Queen Mariah. So they all got like warrior names. 
It's really a shame you uh, you never crossed paths with a couple former Texans who were here, Arian Foster and Dwayne Brown, the running back and the left tackle, because Arian had a tattoo or has a tattoo of King Tut on his bicep, mm-hmm. and Dwayne is a huge fan of Egyptian history, and they used to the two of them used to talk Egyptian history, so. When you would have come into the fold, they would have. I'm sure you would have gotten in some adopted him <laughs> conversations with that those those two. So oh yeah, that'd have been awesome. I'm actually that's one of my uh, dreams. I'm gonna, I want to take my son to Egypt. I actually named him after me, so he's Pharaoh Titus Brown, the uh, the second. So I like I it. A that's, a, that's a good little yeah, pyramid somewhere. So. Uh, I can't wait to make that a reality. You should tell Titus Howard to name yeah. his kids Titus Pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Come on, it's a team thing. Let's well, go. Why not? Let's, you guys let's do play. line up next to each other from time to time. So, I mean. I know, right? <laughs> All right, who's got the next question for Pharaoh? All right, I got one. We've had your, we've had your fellow tight ends on this, on this uh, weekly show. And they have these really amazing hidden talents. And we did not know that Darren Phils is a really good chef. He makes apparently amazing sushi and homemade pasta. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Akins is really crafty and does glitter crafts with his daughter. So he's really artsy and craftsy. So my question is, what is your hidden talent that most people don't know about? Mm, I would say one of my hidden talents, I got a lot of hidden talents. I don't even know if I was Jason Roman. You absolutely should. Oh, well, now now we're all like, what? Okay. I'm amazing with the Traeger. You're what? The Traeger, smoking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that's a Traeger thing. Uh, Traeger sends me a bunch of stuff, so I love that. I think one of my hidden talents is probably I'm a great wake surfer or snowboarder. Oh. How'd you get into that? Cleveland, Drew. (laughs) <laughs> There's mountains in Cleveland. In Oregon, I was uh, in Oregon. I was I was we wake surf all the time. Just go out on the boat and just surf, and people just start like, "Bro, you too big." So then, <laughs> then I moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, and picked up uh, we was in the mountains, and I was like, I met some guys that own a couple of car dealerships, and it's like, "Hey, come out and come." Which we call it. So I got all this stuff, and my wife's like, "Hey." Like, she's just so nervous. Like, you're not going to like it. You're going to fall so many times. It's so hard, I'm telling you. And I got up on the snowboard, and I was like, fell like two times. I was just like a natural. By the end of the day, I was doing like 360s coming down the pipe. Really? That is a, that's highly unusual. I think people that learn to snow, snowboard are like, are you, are you exaggerating, or did you really only fall twice? No, I really only fell twice. <laughs> I, guess, I guess when you're an athlete, it's different. But most that's people are usually sitting sitting on their behinds. Yeah. On the- but then I had to get like, uh, but what I found out they was like, people was like amazed because how tall I am, and all the stuff that I had on was too little. Like the board was too little. <laughs> Everything was like too small. So I had now I'm like heavily invest. I had to like go get like special custom stuff to fit me and stuff. So that's probably one of my hidden talents. That's a good one, Drew. You're up. Let's follow up on this Traeger stuff. So you're a griller. What's your go-to dish to grill or meat to grill or what? What are you? What are you best at? Try to. Really, that's an interesting one. Try. Huh. How'd you get into that? How many that? hours? The try to is about an hour, hour and a half. I take it off probably about 
I like to have mine at like 135, 134. So I'll probably take it off at like 128. And then I, before I take it off, I had heat like the cast iron up. Mm-hmm. As hot as I can, smash it, take it off the trigger, smash it on the uh, cast iron. It gets like a nice little crust on it. Oh, sear it, yeah. Yeah, sear both sides for like for like three minutes. And then just let it rest for like uh, 30, 35 minutes. And then I do like this blue cheese butter dip with like some blue cheese crumble with butter, mix it up, and then let that melt on the hot tri-tip. Fire. I am getting so hungry right now. <laughs> Artist, man. Like, I just pull my stuff off and maybe let my steak <laughs> four minutes, and then I'm like, Rawr! you know, that's, that's, that, that, that's how my uncle is. I was trying to tell him I had to call, I had to call one of my cooking mentors, you know, and I'm like, you got to tell my uncle, do not cut the steak when it come off. Like, my uncle like to cut the steak every time. Like, when it come off, he's cutting pieces and pieces and pieces. So, by the time, the steak is gone in 30 minutes, like, off the grill. I'm like, you got to let the juice settle. You got to let the meat settle in and get all the juices back in so it's, like, tender. Yeah. Jeez, there's a yeah. lot to it. There's a lot to it. I'm learning it something every day. Hard. Okay, uh, speaking of food, though, um, have you been able to get out and about in Houston and sample some stuff here, like uh, Tex-Mex or barbecue here in, in Houston, or has it just been one kind of one-dimensional world for you being a professional football player and also COVID because you're probably encouraged not to get out too much? Yeah, it's kind of – I haven't been able to get out uh, to a lot of places because of COVID, and once I got down here, everything was just so fast, like – I came down here right during the week, so it was like everything was like boom, 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 boom. Trying to pick up offense, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to find a place. It was just kind of a thing. We're kind of in our area. We kind of like by the Galleria, so I've been to like Steak Forty Eight. I've been to Papa Do's. Uh, I've been to Papa Cito's. You're doing well. Yeah, and I, I didn't hit a couple of nice food trucks that was outstanding. Mm. I'm a big, a, I'm a big taco guy. Like just taco. You're in the right city for that. Yeah. yeah. So I, hit, I like to hit the food trucks and some nice ones. You know, in Rice Village, there is a hot dog food truck. I've not tried it, but every time I drive by Rice Village, it's like an hour-long line of people waiting for a hot dog. I don't know what is it. I've, I've gone to the front. Like, what is what is? It's just a hot dog. A regular beef they put, hot dog. They put toppings and stuff, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if that was something you tried. Of or, course, of course. But maybe it's just maybe it's a social thing. Maybe people feel like they can stand in line. They feel like they're around people. I don't know. All right, I have another. I have a question. It's also food related. I, I don't know what's happening with our brains today. I think uh, we're all- next, okay. So next <laughs> week is Thanksgiving, and we always this time of year we ask players about Thanksgiving sides and dishes and overrated and all that but i wanted to ask you if you could add any dish to thanksgiving dinner that's not a traditional thanksgiving dish what would what what is your favorite food that you think should be incorporated oxtails oh oxtails (laughs) okay i love oxtails that's like my go-to is that is that not on a thanksgiving feast somewhere like down south i don't know it's on fair browns Oh, I guess it's on Fair Browns now. Okay, that's a good one. And it didn't really take you that long to add that on there. So if oxtails are on the uh, on the menu, describe your perfect Thanksgiving plate. When you go through the line, what's on it? <laughs> I go through the line in, like, segments. Okay. Like, yeah. So I go through the line, and I get, like, two, three things. I run, like, five, I run like five laps on the line. <laughs> so the first time I get, like, probably like i don't really like a lot of turkey 
I mean, like a lot of, uh, like the big turkey, I feel like it'd be too dry. We kind of did like Cornish hens, oh. uh, which is pretty good. Got to do the dressing, greens. I love the, like the meat that they put in greens, like the turkey legs and the greens. I always eat those. Uh, beans. And that's about it. That's pretty my favorites. I really, we actually, I got a question. Do y'all do Thanksgiving and Christmas as the same meal? No. I know what you mean, though. We used to, when I was growing up, Christmas was a lot like Thanksgiving. And I was thinking, yeah. didn't we just do this a few weeks ago? <laughs> let's let's vary it a little bit. Let's make it a little bit more interesting. But, you know, look, Thanksgiving's always good in the, in the wintertime. Yeah. So we do the Thanksgiving. I always look forward to Christmas. We usually do a big seafood boil. So everything is seafood. Oh, yeah. For That's Christmas. good. That's good. Okay. All right. We are, we're not going to torture anybody else about food uh, while they're hungry, driving, wherever they're going. Back home. Uh, more with Farrell Brown coming up, including some stuff about the New England Patriots this week. He was with the Raiders and the Browns, of course. He knew Travis Kelsey in Cleveland. I want to know a little bit more about that. And also what it's like to come back from a really tough injury in college and do everything he's done. Farrell Brown on the Texans Players Show here on Texans Radio. Players Show here on Texans Radio. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. It's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer with you with DP City and Drew Doherty. Farrow Brown is our player guest Texans tight end and all right, a couple of things here. You mentioned Travis Kelsey earlier. So he's from the Cleveland area as well. How do you guys actually know each other, though? Is it a football thing? You cross paths somewhere? How do you guys know each other? Uh, him and my sister grew up and went to high school together. He actually used to ref my basketball games at, like the, at the Cleveland Heights Rec. Uh-huh. So uh, I grew up going to Cleveland Heights Middle School, and then I transferred. My sister graduated from Cleveland Heights with him. And uh, we all just got the same mutual people, friends, you know, all kind of grew up in the same area. Was he a funny ref? I can't remember. He probably caught too many bad calls, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So The fact that you guys play the same position, how much do you guys talk just about the game or about your own individual games? Do you guys have that sort of relationship now? Uh, we always talk whenever we see each other in the cities. Uh I talked to him a lot in college, and uh, I kind of just study him from afar. And uh, with every time we see each other, it's all love. And, uh, we talk. I know we we were supposed to link up this past off season, but it was uh, the COVID kind of shut that down. So I'm pretty sure we'll get some workouts soon in the near future. But uh, anytime I got a question, I know I can call and lean on him for advice. So. Very nice. Okay. I've got a question about your knee injury in college. This was pretty serious, two ligaments. Um, and I, you know, I hate to make you relive some of this stuff, but I'm always impressed when guys are able to come back from a really tough injury play. And obviously you made it to the NFL. So what was that like for you? That experience? What's awesome. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, a, it was, a. 
I learned a lot about myself during that experience. Uh, it actually was a, it actually was a perfect kind of timing. I know, like, I went into the locker room <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, I want to get my knee massaged." They was like, "What's wrong?" With I was like, "Nothing, just paranoia." So I did it on November fourteenth before this past game. So it was like, I just wanted to get my knee rubbed on just cause. But uh. Wait, this past this past game. November fourteenth, twenty fourteen is when I got injured in college. So around that time every year, are you a little bit more superstitious about your knee? Uh, a little bit. It was just on my mind, and I was like, "Hey, let me get a little massage, get the blood flowing in," you know. But get uh, the good karma going with your knee. Yeah, get the good karma going. It was a. Uh, the experience was not weird but it was just new because nobody had ever done anything like what I did to themselves so it was nothing to fall back on to look at you know like if you do your shoulder they're like okay well it's going to take this long for your shoulder to to heal you're going to do this rehab you got to strengthen this this and this to be back with mine it was like Okay, you're going to get this surgery. We don't know. What do you do? <laughs> what what happened specifically? Like, well, how can you put it in layman's terms for us? So what made it worse was that I wasn't, I wasn't getting blood down to my lower leg, Ooh. and in doing so, when they, because I wasn't getting blood to my lower leg, it was a potential they was going to have to amputate. It. Mm. So when I went to Utah, I was just supposed to, on the field, I end up. Utah x-ray room was like in their locker room. So I had to wait to go into their locker room. I ended up cramping up, catching the full body cramp. I'm like screaming in pain. They tried to like cram me on this small x-ray table. So they just got to the point was like, okay, just send them to the hospital. We'll, we'll get them back to Eugene tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Get them on some pain meds and stuff, calm them down, get them hydrated. But when I got there, thankful them doctors was like, so that's what made it scary at first because if I'd have got on the plane, I'd have had to get my leg cut off because the the elevation and everything would have basically severed my leg. So when I got there, they gave me pain meals, but I was still in pain. So then they ended up shooting and die. So basically from the knee down, it was no blood. So there's like, okay, well, you got to go into emergency surgery. I go into emergency surgery. They just cut my leg open like, cause it's like they try to save it. And in doing so, I had, like, some nerve damage, so when they cut me, they wasn't, like, cognizant of how they was cutting me, you know. They was just right. more trying to get the job done. So after that, I had to wait, like, a month to see if the blood basically would work, if the vascular bypass is what it's called would work, and blood flow would restore. So that was just a whole process of waiting and just having nerve damage. There's no time on when your nerve will come back. And that's what keep your foot up this way. So my foot was down here. Oh, so they would they didn't know if my even though the blood would come back, they didn't know if I would ever be able to control and bring my foot back up. So before we even got like to the ACL to LCL surgery, it was like the whole process of going through that first. Basically, with all three of those things together, because I ended up having three surgeries, it just created like the perfect storm, so to say. So. uh it was just, you know, I found out a lot of stuff about Oregon, did a great job, one of the best medical staff, the best medical staff in college, in my opinion. What was that feeling like the first time you came out of the tunnel, first game out after? Because you did go back and finish 
your career at Oregon after that injury, right? You played one more yeah. season. Uh, it was amazing. I never thought about it because I just – it's harder for people that get – I did mine's non-contact, so nobody hit me. So I never had, like, the feeling like, oh, I'm going out. But, like, just the yeah. feeling just being back, you know, I feel that all the time, like, just, you know, just grateful, you know, honestly. But I never had, like, that feeling like you see a lot of guys like, ah, they got to take their first hit mm. or sure. they scared to get hit. Like, mine was non-contact. I did mine by myself. So I'm never, like, scared of any of that kind of stuff. All right. So you have the Patriots coming up on Sunday. And obviously, they've done what they've done. I mean, they are a tremendous dynasty of a franchise, but they're sub-500 right now. Is it weird to be taking them on without Tom Brady? And I know you play offense, but without Tom Brady and in this mode, with Cam Newton quarterbacking the Patriots, something last year we had no clue would ever possibly happen, but here we are. What's it like getting ready for this version of the Patriots? Uh... I think it's – I don't know. I don't try to look – I don't really look at the teams in that fashion. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting ready, you know. I'm looking more – I don't look at the people, you know. I think yeah. a lot of guys start looking at the people and kind of get, you know. I just look at the scheme, how they're going to play, what these guys going to do, and I just go out there and play. I really don't care who it is. I think the Patriots is kind of – they're, I think they're one of the teams that they'll be doing something, but then they're going to do what they do. But then in the game, they're going to give you a wrinkle that they, they're going to switch something up. You know what I mean? Right, so right. I think when you're trying to beat the Patriots, always those halftime adjustments. Like, all right, this is what we thought, but this is what they're doing. So, you know what I mean? I think that's what Belichick is known to do. And yeah. he's been very successful with it. So I think that's the biggest thing, you know, is those, those halftime adjustments when playing those guys. Well, we're looking forward to it on Sunday, Pharaoh, and uh, we want to thank you so much for spending this time with us. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you better. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Pharaoh Brown, Texans tight end, joining us. And coming up, Texans All Access. Stick around here on Texans Radio. This is Texans Radio. Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value, all while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! Today tastes like game day at home, like assigned couch seating, (laughs) tastes like coffee table dining, and an ice-cold Coke to cool down the heat. It tastes like the game you've waited for all week with friends you've known your whole life. (laughs) Today tastes like watching football is supposed to, and it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola, together tastes better. Together tastes better.